Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us an opportunity to check out some of the interviews that we recently conducted on JM in the AM. We start with Rabbi David Heber. His interview is all about Vesain Talamutter and a lot of other stuff that happened this past weekend. And check out my conversation there by David Heber uh, on JM in the AM. Here he is on JM Rewind on the Nahum Siegel Network. Wednesday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM, and I thank all of you for tuning in. Well, the word's been getting around that Rabbi David Heber is uh, a guest of ours this morning on JM in the AM. Whenever we have an opportunity to discuss Jewish calendaric trivia, uh, or in this case, a specific question as it relates to Hanukkah 5782, Rabbi Heber is kind enough to make himself available. He, of course, is a cautious administrator at the Star K. He is spiritual leader of Kahal Avas Yisrael Tzemach Tzedek down in uh, the Baltimore area, and he is officially the Jewish calendaric consultant to JM in the AM. Rabbi Heber, happy Hanukkah. A pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Great. Always great to be here. Uh, a Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah to all your listeners and to you and your family. Thank you Hope very everyone's much. well. Oh, things are going well, Baruch Hashem. All right. Uh, I, 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 it would be inappropriate for me to ask you to paskin a Shila. Uh, for a specific situation, but I'll ask it in a general way so I could get your advice. A shul, as everyone knows, or at this point I would hope everyone knows, this coming Shabbos we use three Sifrei Torah. What would you recommend to a synagogue that only has two Sifrei Torah? How should they handle the uh, Torah reading on this coming Shabbos? Oh, that's a good that's a good question. So the real question is, do you roll... The, the which which saver told to your do you roll? So you can start with Parshas Miketz, right? Right. That's that's the first saver Torah. Okay. The second saver Torah, you're going to go to to Sefer Bamidbar. So you're right. going to lay in from from Rishchidish, right? Uh, which is going to be the Shvi Aliyah. Okay. So now the the question is, it would seem to be, and there are those that hold that you roll the if you simply instead of doing Hagvan, the second saver Torah. You simply roll the. Uh, you're closer, right. right? You're closer, and roll you may to the roll the second sefer Torah, right? Uh, back. However, however, there is a major discussion by by Simchas Torah about what to do if you have if you have over there. You could have this problem also. There, right. you're, you're really that's a big roll because yeah, you yeah. go from <laughs> from the, from from You're going to go all the way back. To, to to Beratius or how do you do it? I think the ideal thing would you roll in this case you would roll the second Sefer Torah back to to uh, to Parshas Nasai and not to Hagba. The only thing you lose out of the Hagba, right? So I think it's a machlekes hapayskim. I have notes on this. Um, my son wrote a whole long shikol Torah on this, which I don't have <laughs> instant access to. Right. But uh, it's a, it, it is a fascinating discussion as if it's a Torah. All right, and the, uh, where and, it's discussed. So, so a synagogue with two Torahs this Shabbos, it would seem reasonable that if they're rolling the second to get to the third to the spot of the third reading, that would be reasonable. Correct. Correct. It's certainly right. In other words, it's it's definitely less tich of the tibura. Right. The only thing is you lose you lose out on a hagba. Right. You lose out on a hagba and a galila, which is um, you know, which is okay. All right. And Kod- uh, and Kaddish okay do. But, and Kaddish- uh, again, I think there might be those that say to to do you know do hagba. The truth is, well, you wouldn't do hagba on the second one and then roll the second one because that's that's a uh, right. that itself is not. The question is, do you do hagba the second one and go back and go back to the first one? 
So they, they talk about this. And again, it makes, from a Tichetz Bura sense, it makes sense to, Tichetz Bura, of course, meaning you don't want to, there's no, to delay, unnecessary delay. So we go ahead and we uh, we take the second one and just roll it back. We're I want close. I mean, I, you're talking I, only a few parshas. I wonder if parshas nasa. I wonder if they're able after the Hagba on the first one if they're able to take that Torah to a different like to the back room so to speak. Not that they would miss laning. They'd still hear laning, but in the back room they right. would roll that Torah while the second Torah is being read, and they would roll right. that Torah Unless, or during the Mishabera. So if you got a right. long Mishabera right, <laughs> between Aliyah. So they got all the time in the world for some and people. I, and, know, I, like, and I had, you know, I, I'm 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 pretty outspoken on the issue of uh, Tirchanitzibura. Not pro. I'm con, like you're supposed to be. And and right. uh, and yeah. and I was saying to myself, you know what? You might be able to actually roll that Torah. And I don't know if this is even acceptable because you know it, it would it would likely I'd, I'd have to assume it would be improper to do this. But could you imagine doing it while the uh, while the Balkari is saying Kaddish? As they're saying Kaddish, which of course is, right, is not, it, it, yeah, that's a, it, but it would, mm. it would be a very bad visual, right? A very bad. No, visual. Yeah, it would yeah, not yeah, be respectful. Not, you don't wanna, <laughs> yeah, not, not such a great idea. I hope you're yeah, at least. Yeah, I hope you're at least yeah. proud of me for thinking of that one. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's but it, good. The, the no. Shabrura alludes to this issue in uh, in Hukasukas Tyra. He talks about he talks about this problem again. Each case is different. Right, each case is different because you know, you're dealing with a different role, right? Over there, also, but between two and three is certainly closer than between one and three. I'm talking about right. Tyra, right? You know, where you have this, where you have this problem. Right. Um, I can reference this real quick here. I have a Mishabura here while uh, while we continue to discuss this. Unbelievable! What what there? What incredible service we get on the spot research yeah. from you. That's so no, nice. I should, I should know better. I want to hang up and call my son. We'll have to post it on your... Uh, it would be my pleasure. Your, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be my pleasure. <laughs> by, by the way, I would think that rabbis should be extra careful this Shabbos because you know how it, how, how sometimes a Valkori will come across what he thinks is a mistake in the Torah and then it'll become a little bit of a tumult, a little bit of a of a bruha, not a bruhaha, but a hoopla. It'll be a little bit of a hoopla about whether you can continue laning from that Torah or not. This Shabbos, I'd be very careful in terms of making that decision when most synagogues have their, you know, complete supply of Sifrei Torah at three. So, you know, and, and, and you know, not, not everybody's got 10 Sifrei Torah, especially 10 kosher Sifrei Torah. So I'd be very cautious before postling a Torah this Shabbos. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Absolutely, absolutely. Of course, you only have one Sefer Torah, you know. Then also, that that in a way is an easier call because right. you just have one. You roll it, and you're, you know, and you're there. You know, you're good to go. Right. With uh, with one Sefer Torah. So All that, right. That certainly works. Rabbi Heber has brought to our attention um, uh, many, many years ago. I think it was back in 2002, if I'm not mistaken. And he has brought to our attention again this year uh, the uh, question of what happens this coming Saturday night. There is a uh, even though. It is totally halachically permissible, and if I'm misstating this, you'll tell me. It's totally halachically permissible before Shmona Esrei of Mariv, and I believe Mincha as well, to uh, remind the congregation about any insertion that must be made in Shmona Esrei, whether it's Yavyovo, Alanisim, etc., etc., etc. Nonetheless, there are congregations that prefer to get this reminder across to the crowd by clopping, if you will, by by banging on the bima. And the bang on the bima normally on a Rosh Chodesh will mean Yalav on the first day of Hanukkah will obviously mean Alanisim. Um, 
uh, uh, I'm trying to think of other examples. Uh, maybe uh, maybe a uh, a klop on a mincha v'tanis tzibur might mean sim shalom for those who normally don't say sim shalom at the mincha. Uh, and anenu, you know, a reminder for anenu and sim shalom. So that's when the klop is usually utilized. This Saturday night, Rabbi Heber, Matzei Shabbos, we have a unique situation where, in theory, three or more items could be referenced by the Gabai's Klopp on the Bima. What do we do? Okay, so you're, you said exactly perfect. That is true. The Shulchan Aruch Paskins in Hilchus uh, Rosh says very clearly that the Gabai or whoever is allowed to announce uh, what's going on. His example, interesting, he says... The Gabbai is allowed to be Mahras, which means to announce Rishchidish. So what they would do is they would apparently, by Mahras, they would give a clap and yell out Rishchidish. And everybody knew, oh, it's, I'm talking about regular Rishchidish. They right. would give a clap, and everyone knew that, oh, it must be Yalviyavai. But obviously, your choice of words could be, you know, Yalviyavai, Al-Anisim, Nachem, Antishabav, Anenu, on a fast day. There are obviously various insertions that we make. So it's 100% permissible. By Shachras, we should mention it's the only time you can't do that because right. we have to be samach ka'ulu l'tvila, right, which is can. a very near and dear topic to me because that was my question on my fahar when I went to Tal's Yeshiva in Chicago. Wow. Uh, and uh, that was they asked me on where I was learning in eighth grade in, uh, in St. Louis, Upstate Hebrew Academy. We were learning brachas, and we learned that. And the Rashivas asked me on on the Gemara about school l'tvila, how you know it, and so on. So it's a very near and dear topic. Um, so you you have to connect smichas ka'ulu which means you can't you can't never be mafsik as we know you can't interrupt right between gal yisrael shmanasir so shachris is off limits right okay you, so we know announcements by shachris you can only clap you can't you can't speak but by myriv and certainly by mincha even though by myriv you're not allowed to talk between uh, there's a gula and a tefila but it's not as as chamer it's not as strict. And therefore, Shacharach says you're allowed to you're allowed to announce. Right. The, the Mishabrura notes that not only you're allowed to announce things that count, meaning that if you if you make a mistake, you have to dive it over again, like the Saint Talmud to Levracha, right? If you if you erroneously don't say the Saint Talmud to Levracha, you have to dive it over again. Right. So certainly, you need to announce that. Right. But even Al Hanisim, the halachas of a person forgot Al Hanisim. And they completed the bracha of, you know, Maidim, Chalachayim, Hatav Shimchal Chalachal Haidais. The halacha is they do not have to dive it over again. They don't have right. to go back and dive it again. Some would say they'll kind of sore, but if you finish Manasseh, you don't have to go back. So it's right. not so strict. You could still announce it. And Yalav Yavay at night, Allah on Rosh night, if you miss, you also don't have to go back. You could still announce that also. Right. So the halacha is clearly you're allowed to announce it. But as you mentioned, there are many places that just give a clap. The obvious problem this month is Shabbos, as 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 we discussed already, wow, twenty years ago, right? <laughs> is that is that in two thousand two was the last time this happened? There, this coming month Shabbos. Let's step back a second in discussion. Besides being Hanukkah, besides being Rosh Chodesh, is we begin saying the same Talmud to Livracha, which in Chutz Laaretz we begin saying on the night of December the fourth. Um, in certain years, not this year. It begins December fifth, not this year. Not till uh, 2023 will that happen. Okay. So this year and next year, we begin Talmudah on December 4th. By Marav, December 4th is Shabbos. So Matzah Shabbos, Saturday night, we begin saying the same Talmudah. So the obvious problem is, is if the Gabbai gives a clap, 
this Matzah Shabbos, people are going to think that, oh, I didn't say Alviyavay. Tonight's Rosh Chaydish. Today was Rosh Chaydish. So tonight's Rosh Chaydish also. They can say Alviyavay. They're going to miss the same Talmud to the Racha. They're only going to say the same Bracha, and then they're going to be in, 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 uh, in a problem situation. Um, it's actually a, a, a complicated problem situation, but the bottom line is they would need to daven Shmanesri over again. Right. Um, it is a complex other issue with the exact time. We, we hold Talmud begins by Mayriv. There's a question exactly, do you go by the time of the beginning of the Tkufa, which is which is fall? Maybe you don't have to get Talmud until later. So you would actually daven over Shmanesri again by Mayriv, saying, if I'm obligated in Mayriv, again, this is my Mayriv, and I'm not obligated because I haven't reached the time yet. The time is not till, um, uh it's going to be first in the morning. So then I am diving what's called an adava. I'm giving a, a, a present, a, a gift, which is a topic beyond the scope of our discussion here. But bottom line, it's got to over again. And now if, if you, therefore, it's critical that Shul's either announced there or before Myrav, you know, places that don't want to make that announcement during davening, right before Myrav, the Rav or the Gabba gets up and says, we're beginning to say Talmud Racha, and don't forget it. You need to say it by Myrav. Mm-hmm. The number of clops this coming Matzah Shabbos could be, could be, hear me out for a second, because this is going to sound dramatic and ridiculous, <laughs> could be four, because... On Matzei Shabbos, we insert Atachan Antanu. This Matzei Shabbos, we insert Vesein Talamata, replacing Vesein Bracha. This Matzei Shabbos, we say Yalaviyavo, right? Because Sunday is still Rosh Chodesh. And this Matzei Shabbos, we say Alanisim because it's the seventh night of Chanukah. So in theory, although I know you're rolling your eyes at the Atachan Antanu thing, I get it. <laughs> but, not the, but nonetheless, if someone is not paying attention... They could think that one clop is referring to any of those four, that two clops are referring to two of any of those four, and as you described, it gets very confusing. I would have to assume that because, and you'll tell me if you agree or not, I don't know what goes on in your shul, I'd have to assume that because the the tendency is to stop clopping for Al-Hanisim Somewhere around the second or third day of Hanukkah. Am I right about that, Rabbi Heber? Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. The full first day, right? The first night and the first day, there's clopping at all three tefillos. I would say it sometimes lasts into Marim of the second night, maybe even Shacharis of the second day. And then all of a sudden, the Gabayim have full faith that everybody's going to remember Al Anisim, right? That would correct. be a good way That's of describing correct. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Atachan Antanu, for obvious reasons, and Al Anisim are really not part of the equation this Matzei Shabbos. So, I'd have to assume, and any responsible Gabay out there, I think we'd have to conclude. That the proper number of clops for this coming Matzei Shabbos is two, as much as I really want to see there be three, <laughs> and it'd be more dramatic, right. is two, and those two will represent the start of a St. Talamutter and the reminder to insert Yala Viavo. Absolutely. Except you need to announce it because, as, as you right. know as well as I, and this is probably 
worldwide shuls, there's always the guy by wannabes <laughs> who go ahead and clap. So every every Yalavi Yavi gets two or three claps. Every Rishchidosh is always on this clap, or the guy by stalled a second and somebody jumped the gun. So two claps is not a Chiddush, meaning two claps is the norm in most places because you got all these good clappers. So if someone hears two claps, this must say Shabbos, they say, oh yeah, which, which, which fellow wanted to be, you know, the guy who reminds the overzealous clapper. Right? Yeah. All right, so before your suggestion, therefore, is Rabbi Heber, to wrap this up, your suggestion is before Mariv, there be at least two reminders, Visei Talamatar and Yalavievo. And, and why not remind for Alanisim as well? That's correct, absolutely. And absolutely. then when it comes to uh, uh, when it comes to Shemota Esrei on uh, Marav Matzei Shabbos, you would recommend, which is halachically permissible as we've described, uh, that there be another reminder, and at the minimum, if there's no other reminder, at least clop responsibly. <laughs> correct, exactly. Now, two other other interesting notes yeah. about uh, this coming Shabbos and yep. Matzei Shabbos. Several notes on, on this topic. There's, there's been a discussion about you know, the infrequency of, well, we'll, we'll talk about first, Matzah uh, Shabbos. It's it's actually, somebody pointed this out to me, it's the longest weekday, Shemana Esrei, where you talk about the 18 brachas, right. 18, 19 brachas. In right. other words, Erev Yom Kippur by Mincha is longer because right. you have all the al right. But as far as a weekday, Shemana Roshan, of course, Musaf is certainly longer. Right. But but as far as a weekday, Shemana Esrei from, you know, of us to the beginning, Baruch Hashem, through right. this is interestingly enough the longest Now, your honor, I will tell you that someone yesterday sent me an email and said, "Oh, not so fast, <gasps> not so fast," because maybe Tisha B'av by Mincha. If you say you know Tisha B'av by Mincha, when you say Shalom, but here by Marv, if you say Shalom Rav, Nachem is pretty long. So in your honor, I counted. Oh no! I counted way. this morning for the show. <laughs> I couldn't get on the show and not have this this, this clear. It comes out that no, that this Matzei Shabbos because because you have the extra to say Talmatulivrocha, um, you have the longest run. It's actually lo- longer. I, I counted quickly. I didn't get the exact numbers, but it's, it seems to be a good uh, uh, eleven words longer. Unbelievable. Than, uh, I may be off by a few, but uh, it's certainly longer. I, it was definitely longer. Then then uh, Tishbab by Mincha. That's number one. Number two. This is important because we we've spoken about this, but not in this context. There is a discussion going on that maybe this coming Shabbos morning is the rarest Shmona Esrei that we have. And that is the good 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 call, but not exactly. What are we doing this coming Shabbos morning? Um, this coming Shabbos morning, we have. A, a relatively infrequent Shmanesrei. We have, but by Musaf, we have Atiyat Sarta, right. which is the Musaf for Shchayde Shmanesrei, right. with Alanisim, right. which happens every year. Right. Right? We have that every year. Right. But, sorry, no, every year we have a Musaf on Shabbos right. Hanukkah, but this year we have Shabbos for Shchayde Hanukkah. Right. So we have Atiyat Sarta with Alanisim. Okay, not that common, right? We, right. Not that common. Parenthetically, right. that Shmanesrei is recited on the same. Day that we recite the longest Birchas Hamazon, which is the Shabbos, right. uh, where we have um, uh, Alanisim and Ritzay, uh, Al Ritzay and Yalviyavai. Right. So this coming Shabbos, we have Alanisim Ritzay and Yalviyavai, longest benching, right? That's one of the most famous right. uh, questions and answers. Okay, but back to back to Musaf. You have Atiyat Tzarta, you have Alanisim, and you have Ulchaparas Pasha. Oh, right. Right. Because it's a leap year, it's right. a leap year. So you have a Shabbos Rishchayis Chanukah in a leap year. So 
you get this rare Shmanesra, and indeed, thinking this through a lot, this would seem to be the rare Shmanesra in Eretz Yisrael, the most infrequent Shmanesra in Eretz Yisrael. It happens maybe once in about nine years or so, nine or ten years, and it's this Shmanesra. Now, what about Chutzlaretz? Okay, so Chutzlaretz has a rare Shmanesra, and we spoke about this many times, so I'll be short here. This coming month, say Shabbos, Right. If it would have just been a day earlier, right. Right, if it would have been December 3rd, right. then you'd have the same bracha and al-Adisim and Atachanantanu and Yal Yavoy. And Mashavu. That is the Rosh Hashanah that we had in 1994. Right. And we won't have it again until 2089. So we have that 95-year gap, which only it only happens when you have this type of year in the 16th year of the 19th year cycle, which means it's a very, very early year. Remember the year 2013 when Thanksgiving was, yeah, was of course. Uh, Hanukkah? Remember Thank, that? Thanksgiving that, that time. type of year where you see Hanukkah, Thanksgiving was Hanukkah. That means Hanukkah ended already. You know, the Rish Chaydish was right. before Talamatar. So you had this extremely rare Shman essay. But that's only Chutzlar. It's because there at Yisrael, they already began saying Talamatar on Zion Cheshvet. So right. They don't get this. This infrequent money. Ah, amazing, amazing, amazing. So the next, you said 2023 is the next time it's going to move, that the St. Talmud is going to move to December 5th. That's because it's that's the, that's because it's the December before a secular leap year? Correct. Correct. What happens is, is, is the December before, and if you want, there's a sheer on, I just gave, I was at Ernst Stroll last week for the, um, for the Mir Yachikala, and they had the opportunity to give a sheer in uh, in the shul right right for the dafyami, dafyami the tightest dafyud was just about um, this this Indian, this topic of when you start to say talmud Oh, is that the one so that had, came out on November twenty second that everyone's going crazy about? That the daf correct the yes, daf yes, the daf yes, actually yes. was a coincidence because the, apparently there's a base Yosef that says yes that, that there was a delay. Correct. I mean, I mean, I, I I wrote down this whole history when someone told it to me. I want to thank her by Oppenheim down in Charlotte who gave me this information. He's a, he's a big fan of our conversations and he wrote to me. He said, I don't know if Rabbi Heber does does a secular calderic trivia, but <laughs> this might be secular when it ties into right when, when it, it ties, ties into the Jewish calendar. <laughs> like this, like this. Yeah, so I have this. I have a if, if you want to read. In the intriguing world of Jewish time, the, the book that I just that I just wrote in there, I have a, this whole topic explained within November twenty second and twenty third. And on Torah, anytime I gave the shear in the the Pins Columbus Bedrash near the mirror, and I went through this whole topic. And it was interesting speaking to Israelis because to them, the December fourth and fifth is right. just halacha v'lo which right. means it's it's the halacha, but it's not right. irrelevant. It's so irrelevant it's, to it's, them, right? You know, because it, it, they don't, they start saying cheshvan and they're done, right. right? You know, all the December fourth and fifth doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't doesn't apply doesn't apply there. Uh, so that that's the, recorded on, on the Torah anytime. And um, uh, it was a nice opportunity. But there we went through this whole discussion. Basically, to, to make it brief, is that every four years the kufa, which is the time according to uh, the beginning of the fall. Is is at nine o'clock at night? Okay, the kufa of Tishrei, which is according to Shmuel, is always on October seventh. Right. Every four years, it's at nine o'clock at night. Now, nine o'clock at night, we know is halachically tomorrow. Right. In other words, it's the next day already. So that bumps Talumotar up a day to instead of December fourth by Myrev, it's December fifth at Myrev, and that always will happen in the year preceding 
a secular leap year. Oh, or yeah. The simple, way, the simple way to remember it, it is a month before the presidential primaries begin. Right. You know, it's funny. Now I understand because online I found that there are two years in a row when it starts on December 5th, but that's because one of them is a Friday night. So that's exactly, what, right, 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 right. Yeah, right. So that, that would make sense. Uh, and there was one other thing I wanted to ask you on this. Uh, oh, yeah, and uh, based on the information I got about the uh, about this topic, apparently about uh, apparently 80 years from now there's going to be a change where it, yes. you know about this, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. What, what happens if, if you, you, you it's in the book and on the sheer for those that want to elaborate on this, but basically in 2100 they're going to skip February 29th. Wow. Based on the Gregorian calendar, that was it was um, a correction uh, that they want to make. 1582, they started it in America. They started in 1751. That's why there's two gear. So, okay, we want to talk about the secular calendar. There's two gears in George Washington's birthday, right? Well, it's really three because they celebrated in America on the third Monday of February. Right. But it used to be when we were kids on February 22nd. Right. But Yeshaimrim, it was February. 11th, because when he was born, the America, the, uh, England, was, America was a uh, British colony back, back then. When when George Washington was born in 1732, until 1751, America had the old calendar. So so w- his birthday switched because they added, uh, they skipped 11 days. Unbelievable. So anything before 1751 in America and slash England changed. So the whole calendar changed. So it really depended where you lived. When Talamata began, so this Yosef that says November twenty second lived before fifteen eighty two, before anybody changed the calendar, it was based on Abu Dram, who I think lived in the fourteen hundreds, I believe, or thereabout. And and once we once the the the, uh, the calendar, the you know the secular calendar, the civil calendar, skipped eleven day, ten days, and then subsequently three days by skipping February twenty ninth in. 1700, 1800, 1900, that shifted Talmata to December 4th and 5th. In 2100, there will not be a February 29th, which on the books there should be, right? It's a presidential election year. It's right. divisible by four. But every three, every every hundred years, if it's not divisible by 400, it's not a leap year. And whenever that happens, Talmata gets shifted a day. So our Sidurim, so, our Sidurim 100 years from now, instead of saying December 4th and 5th, we'll say... We'll, instead of saying December 4th and 5th, we'll say December 5th and 6th. Wow. The norm will be the 5th by Myriv. Wow. And the, and, the, and the years, let's say 2103, 2107, 2111, will be December the 6th by Myriv. So Friday night, a day later. So when, when people years from now are researching Sidurim of the 20th century, they'll have to explain why their sitter has a different uh, a time, a different date to start the St. Talamata than, than we did, you know, 100 years earlier. Correct. Pretty yeah, cool. What's, what's Pretty cool. Two, two notes here. One is, if you look at that Beis Yosef, the printer did you a favor, and when it says November 22nd and 23rd, he did you a favor and wrote December 3rd and 4th, or some of them say December 2nd and 3rd. The printer did you a favor. The problem is, his favor only lasted till 1900, right? Because that, the printer in the 1800s put in the correction, quote unquote, which was a correction, right? Back then, but again, that correction became, you know, a moot in 1900 when we switched it again. So Sidurim are going to have to be reprinted. You'll have to, you'll have to get your send yourself addressed stamped envelope for the sticker. <laughs> 
put, uh, to, put on your, to put on your sitter. Right. One, la- one last thing I want to tell you about this Shabbos is that we take out three Sefer Torah. Okay, we are in a year now that has three times we take out three Sefer Torah. Right. Not really that common. We have it. We had it some Torah, of course, right. every year. We got three Sefer Torah. This Shabbos, we got three Sefer Torah. Shabbos HaChodesh right. is three Sefer Torah. We're, we're on a really good streak here because we had it also with Shabbos Adar earlier on this, in 2021. Right. With Shabbos Adar, um, we had it as well. 2021, you know, this year with Shabbos Adar. So three times this year, okay? Listen to this. Three times in a seven-year span, we have three Sefer Torah. This is the last year of that of, of, of that span. We've had it. We had it uh, six, six years ago, um, and uh, we, we had it also uh, between that time. So basically, in a seven-year span, we've had three years of three Sefer Torah. Wow, it's pretty cool. It's pretty neat. Last yeah. time, last time that happened, oh, was 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 120 years ago. <laughs> when it, it, 121 years ago, when it ended in 1900 was the end of a of a set of three of, of like that, and here's really neat. Okay, we've had three Sifrei Torah in three years in one cycle of Shemitah. Because we had it six years ago, we had it uh, uh, three or four years ago, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank which one that was. And we had it, we've had it now, but it's three times. It's three times in seven years in one Shemitah cycle. If that hasn't happened. In 720 years. Amazing. Last time that happened ended in 1400, 700, 721 years ago, uh, which was 100, uh, what was that, 103 Shemitahs ago. That cycle that ended in 1400 had three Sifrit Torah in three years in a seven-year, one Shemitah span. So we're getting in a lot of three Sifrit Torah, and uh, it's a very big uh, of it. But the open the Aaron is, a, you know, to have, have, have in mind the, the, the beauty of three uh, sefer Torah and um, it's a school for you know for any time they open an art and it's a shas Yeah, I mean, but there's no scene. But certainly with three sefer Torah, you yeah. get the bonus. And there's no scene like uh, the bima uh, being graced by uh, three people holding three sefer Torah and saying Shema Yisrael and everybody responding. It, it, it's an absolutely beautiful, beautiful. sight, and everyone gets absolutely. to ex- gets to experience it this Shabbos. And uh, you're right, we shouldn't take it lightly. And those who really dress up the Sefer Torah beautifully with uh, uh, beautiful covers and lovely silver, it just enhances the experience for everybody. So kol to the Gabayim and the Shamashim and the rabbis and everybody who make sure not the, not only to teach us uh, and to uh, and inspire us and comes to davening, but take care of the visual as well. The visual in shul should be one uh, that looks and feels holy as well, Rabbi Heber. Absolutely, because that's really, you know, for us, uh, that, that's the scene we have, and undoubtedly the beautiful scenes as children. It makes a tremendous, yeah. you know, Rosham impact on children that they have that beautiful scene in their mind, and that's what they picture, and they take it with them throughout their life, and they're, and they're serving uh, the Rebbe Shalom. No question about it. Rabbi David Heber is the rabbi of Kahal Avis Yisrael, Tzemach Tzedek in Baltimore, Kasher's administrator at the Star K, and we are again highly Highly, highly recommending his book. It's a brand new book. We had an opportunity to discuss it in depth last time Rabbi Heber was on. It's called The Intriguing World of Jewish Time. Just Google it and buy it and enjoy it and get it for the young kids, the uh, the bar and bat mitzvah children in our community who you know 
have a sense of this stuff and will appreciate it and really uh, uh, would enjoy the trivial part. Not that anything's trivial about it, but you get my point. The trivial part of our tradition and in terms of what we do as a Jewish people. The intriguing world of Jewish time. Rabbi David Heber, we are recommending it highly. Rabbi Heber, I take this opportunity to wish you a happy Hanukkah. And uh, again, thanks so much for joining us this morning. And please remember, Matzah Shabbos, please save us. Save Talamatar. <laughs> After all that. After yeah. all that is right. I bought a counter. You know, you know, what, the, you know what the umpires use behind yes, the plate? Sure. I bought one of those for my 90 times Talamatar. Rabbi Heber, if, any, if anybody else, ta- if anybody else, if anybody else told me that, I wouldn't believe it. In your case, you, you have my full faith on this one. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Thank you so much, Rabbi David Heber. Everybody on a Wednesday morning at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and AlchemySingle.com, and the AlchemySingle Network, and of course, any beloved NSN app. That was my conversation with Rabbi David Heber. Morty Weinstein of 613 was on during Hanukkah to talk about the new Hanukkah selection from 613. Morty Weinstein of 613, next on JM Rewind here at the Nahum Siegel Network. I like the candles with people who love me. He likes the candles with his whole family, sharing the joy of a proud history. 
I love that at the end. I love it. Yesterday I walked into one of my kids' rooms and they had a Hanukkah sweater and the dreidel had a pay on it instead of a shit. I just loved it. Tuesday morning, JM the end at 6.13, of course, with Bohemian Hanukkah, a song that we have uh, already over the last couple of years gotten used to in terms of it being on our Hanukkah playlist. It's on a lot of Hanukkah playlists, I can tell you that much. And Morty Weinstein of 613 is with us live via telephone because, uh, as many of you know, since the news cycle is now 24 hours, at some point in the last 24 to 48 hours, 613 made a major announcement uh, about a brand new selection that's out there for Hanukkah 5782. Morty Weinstein, happy Hanukkah. A pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Happy Hanukkah. Good morning. It's always always good to be back on JM in the AM. I appreciate I, uh, it sort of goes along with Hanukkah for us. <laughs> I appreciate that. You bring a big smile to my face. You're one of the nicest guys out there, and it's great to have you on. I mean, I know we discussed this, I'm sure, in depth and at length when we talked about Bohemian Hanukkah, uh, but I'm sh- and I'm sure some of these points I'm going to make now uh, are going to be repetitive, but the lyrics are amazing. The Even the video, and this is not an insult. This is meant to be a compliment. The video is relatively simple. It is not, you know, yeah. it is not elaborate and it is not, you know, a lot of sets with a lot of moving parts. And it's amazing yeah. how many millions of times it's been viewed and enjoyed around the world. It's it's funny. It's so hard to predict these things and, you know, we we put a lot of effort into our videos regardless of, you know, whether they whether they look complicated or or they look simple. Um but, you know, 
a lot of times it's the it's the simpler ones that really translate the most and, and that people are drawn to. Um, this was simple, certainly from uh, you know by way of where we shot it and the the number of different types of scenes. Um, but parts that were tricky. I mean, we are we are not dancers, um, <laughs> and, and yet we had a little bit of choreography. Um, you know, so a couple of moves that I would say that was the uh, that was the 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 new part for us this time. Um, but certainly simpler simpler one out this time. You know, well, once I'm still talking about the Bohemian Hanukkah one. Oh, Bohemian Hanukkah for sure. I'm still talking about Bohemian, Bohemian Hanukkah. Hanukkah. In other words, in other words, we've I, I'm sure we made this point a million times when you were first on about it. But it's that oh, one. Yeah. I, I'm not even talking about the new video yet. It's that one that we just played, uh, where I'm cool. saying to you that the I mean the lyrics are brilliant and the uh, but the video and again not made to be you know in a, in a derogatory fashion if anything in a praiseworthy fashion how simple it is and how many and how few moving parts there are and that to me is amazing when you see how many millions of people have already viewed it. Around the world, and frankly, when you made the Bohemian Hanukkah video, I'd have, and, and when you created the song, I'd have to imagine knowing. And this generation now is becoming more and more familiar with Queen and just how innovative they were because of the movie and stuff like that. I would have to imagine that you guys uh, had some notion of this can't be too simple. After all, the adaptation that we're doing is you know an adaptation from one of the most complicated groups ever <laughs> and and, and, a, yeah. and a song that even though it's so popular has never been viewed as a simple song it's always been viewed as a oh, no. you know as a major oh, no. production uh, so just going back to I don't to, think I don't think anybody would ever would ever call Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> right. a simple song so just with all that in mind I'm saying to myself you know you you must have gone back and forth in the group a million times thinking how simple yet how complicated this thing has to be yeah, we actually did. We talked about it a whole bunch. Even you know, even as as we saw the first couple of edits of the video, we were like, you know, is it is it too? Does it have too few scenes? Right. Is that is that a problem? Is right. that a good thing? And ultimately, we decided, um, you know, certainly for the for the opening where it's just the faces that that's right. kind of like iconic queen. Yeah. Um, that you have that to was gonna right. carry its own weight for a while. I, I mean, I and thought then, it, uh, I, I thought it took yeah, a lot of it. I thought it took a lot of guts to do that, and and yet it was <laughs> it was it was the way to go. Anyway, so that's Bohemian Hanukkah. It's out a couple of years. Everybody, check it out. Millions of people have viewed it. I don't know if you see the recent comments on YouTube, but people are still enjoying it like crazy. So it's really and, crazy. That yeah. it gets a, it gets a huge boost every Hanukkah. Yeah, and obviously Wonderful. this time of year, obviously Morty Weinstein's with us. Six thirteen has a big announcement. I mean, this announcement's been made already to the world. Like I said, it's a 20, 24 hour news cycle. You can make an announcement whenever you want and get a lot of attention. But we love being the uh, official uh, a place where people make announcements and uh, make people aware of what's new in Jewish music here at JM and the AM. And what you did was, and I noticed it was a presentation by MJE. We'll get a word from you about MJE because we're big fans of MJE. We'll do that in a couple of minutes. But you created a West Side Hanukkah story. West Side Story, one of the iconic musicals out there. In fact, no coincidence, of course, that Sondheim just passed away. I'm sure that, uh, I mean, that, that, that had, I should say it is a coincidence, right? That had nothing to do it's with it. It's a huge coincidence. Yeah. We, we, were, we were shocked. I mean, we, we released this video on Tuesday. Wow. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we, we heard of his, of his untimely death on, on uh, right, right Friday. Right after Shabbos, I, I think. So, yeah. Right. Oh, right, right. Oh, I was actually, I was on the West Coast, so I heard about it right, right before Shabbos. Um, but really, really, we did not see that happening. I mean, it was totally a coincidence. So I, I can only imagine now as people, you know, because of him, 
as they uh, Google West Side Story. I can only imagine how many times your video is coming up. All right, so give us the genesis of all this. It's West Side Hanukkah Story. It's presented by MJE. It's got over half a million views just on the source that I'm looking at. I'm sure it's got more on different platforms. Um, why West Side Story, and, and what does this have to do with Hanukkah? Take it away. So we actually we had actually had this idea, um, you know, about a year ago. We heard we heard that that Steven Spielberg was uh, you know had his eye on on a remake of West Side Story, and you know um, a lot of the guys in the group. This probably comes as no surprise, but a lot of the guys in the group are musical theater right. uh, buffs, and um, it kind of became a, a simple, a kind of obvious thing for us. Um, you know, we do always try to pair our releases with something going on culturally in the in the larger. Um, I guess world of, of pop culture, and and this was this was kind of a, a good um, a good opportunity to take some of those songs that we um, you know we love and we know are certainly complicated songs um, and give them the old six thirteen treatment. How many songs are in this from West Side Story? Uh, I believe it's uh, a good question. I <laughs> I think four or five. And what's funny um, is you, you didn't take a song and turn it into a Hanukkah selection. You had to take a medley of songs and tournament to Hanukkah, which is, you know, obviously I would think four or five times harder. Yeah, we, we started talking about which songs um, or which song to do from the, from the movie, from the play, and we, just, we couldn't really agree on one. So <laughs> we decided there were too many to do. We were like, well, we, we can't just, well, if we skip this one, then we can't skip this one. So we have to do this one. We, well, we can't skip that one. So I, I guess we're doing a medley. What did you think of the comment that someone wrote? It should be called Upper West Side Story. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny, actually. <laughs> it is very clever. It's actually funny. There's, a, there's a, an online news source called the Upper West Side or the West Side Rag. Yeah. Um, and they, they wrote a little article, a blurb about it, and they wrote that there's a new Jewish a cappella group from the West Side called MJE, and they released the Hanukkah video. Oh. So, so, oh, is that hilarious? They're uh, close. Needs a little yeah. bit of fact-checking, but they're, but, you know, <laughs> I guess I'm sure, according to them, they would want it to be called the Upper West Side Story. <laughs> they got it. They were this close to getting it right. Uh, Morty Weinstein, so 613. Uh, the brand new one is West Side Hanukkah Story. Uh, it's not usually my way of doing it. Usually I save the song for the end, but maybe we should do it now if you have the patience. Uh, let everybody, We'll let everybody hear it, then you'll give us a word about MJE and then wrap things up with us. Sounds good to me. Morty Weinstein, 613, is with us live via telephone. 613's done a lot of cool things over the years, a lot of cool things, and we're proud to have been one of the places where they've done some of those cool things, frankly. In this case, they've uh, released something called West Side Hanukkah Story in honor of Hanukkah 5782, and here it is at JM in the AM. If you please, chocolate money on Hanukkah, lockers are crunchy on Hanukkah, presents from Bobby on Hanukkah. I want a puppy for Hanukkah. <laughs> 
light each candle's flame while proudly we proclaim we're free menorah recall the great temples menorah and how the oil they found kept burning strong and proud brightly The flames as they're dancing, swaying. Feel the joy of the blessings we're saying. Menorah, with eight lights, it's called Hanukkah. We hope you enjoyed this video as much as we loved making it. Well, it's pretty amazing, frankly. 613 with Happy Hanukkah, or I should say 613. Wishing everybody a Happy Hanukkah with Westside Hanukkah Story. Morty Weinstein with us live via telephone as we talk about the brand new release. So, Morty, I have a couple of observations for you, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Probably the only time in the history of the world that Antiochus had a yabaka on. <laughs> Yes, I would say that feels pretty likely. <laughs> and Which, what an Antiochus. He was such a great sport. Oh, uh, the rabbi's <laughs> amazing. And I, uh, <laughs> I'd i have to assume that that was done on purpose because obviously it's a pretty easy costume change to make sure something oh, else is, is on one's head. So that was pretty funny. And also, I mean, again, I hope you guys don't take this the wrong way. I think it's your non-dancing ability that gives the dance scene so such great uh, – Vibes, frankly, I hundred percent. Yeah, you know, we are not dancers, and we know it. And the more we, the more we embrace that, the better off we always are. <laughs> and for those of you wondering what the iconic song Maria would be to for Hanukkah, obviously it's Menorah. And why didn't I think of that, that? one? Basically, wrote itself. <laughs> exactly. You'd, you'd think I would have figured that one out before I actually saw the video, but all right. <laughs> Westside Hanukkah Stories presented by MJE, Manhattan Jewish Experience. Morty, I'll leave it to you to tell us. Uh, I, I could certainly do it, but uh, why not tell us from your perspective the great job Rabbi Wilds is doing with that organization? Oh, it's it's phenomenal. And we actually we have a bunch of friends who have 
um, who have have been in, through the MGA system, who are MGA um, participants, alumni. Um, we are we're very close to the Wilds. Actually, I think I've spent Pesach with with the Wilds wow. maybe four or five times. Um, and uh, the work they're doing at MGA is incredible. I've had the opportunity to be um, to be a guest cousin for them once or twice, and um, it's really just a very special place where where young Jewish people of all sorts of backgrounds can sort of learn more about um, about Jewish culture, Jewish life, and Jewish community, certainly. Um, with uh, They have all sorts of programming and classes and, and retreats. It's really, really a special, special place in the West Side. It certainly is, and there's more information on the video, by the way. When people play the video, they'll see Rabbi Wilds and his presentation and uh, get a taste of what's happening uh, with the organization. Um, uh, there you have it. Uh, what? Uh, it, it sounds funny after you've just released this and millions of people are enjoying it. Uh, what else is 613 up to? Anything you need to update us about? Or right now it's all about Hanukkah. Well, the, the big thing is really that we are, we're back on tour. We're performing in front of live audiences, which is, um, you know, yeah. for, for a long time would, would not be newsworthy, but now is certainly, certainly exciting. Yep. Um, we, just, we did a show in Baltimore at, at Best Villa. Um, and I had 1,400 people registered for the event. It was, it was a huge outdoor event. It was the first time for me um, being back performing live in front of a crowd of, you know, larger than 20 people. Yeah. Um, and it felt especially right on the first night of Hanukkah. So it's, it's incredibly exciting to be back um, performing in front of live audiences again. Um, that's, that's the big piece of news. And we're always working on stuff. We've got our eyes on something for Pesach, but can't give that away yet. All right. Yeah, believe you me. We'll be we'll be patient and we'll anticipate some more great stuff from 613. One of the best parts of this Hanukkah video of uh, West Side Hanukkah story uh, is that it's obvious that you guys are uh, are going full steam ahead, which for us Jewish music fans is a lot of uh, is, is really, really good news. So I want you to take this opportunity, please, to uh, send regards to the entire group. You're made up of a lot of really, really nice guys we love hanging out with. And love hearing their music. And it's always a pleasure to speak to you. And Mazel Tov to you, Morty Weinstein, and 613, and Mike, and everybody on the release of, uh, of West Side Hanukkah Story. Thank you so much. And thanks so much for having me on. It's, it's always such a pleasure. A delight. And happy Hanukkah to you, sir. Happy Hanukkah to you as well and to everybody listening. There you go, folks. 613. New Music Alert Tuesday. They took West Side Story and... Tossed some Hanukkah references in and did it really, really well. Check out the video online, of course. All you have to do these days is search 613 West Side Story or 613 Hanukkah, 613 uh, Sondheim. (laughs) Uh, A lot of people on the comments section on YouTube actually did did some uh, attributes to him um, through the um, uh, after watching the video that 613 released. That was my conversation with Morty Weinstein. Jay Booksbaum joined us from Royal Wine Kedem to discuss some of the wines you should keep in mind for this time of year, especially with Hanukkah being uh, the centerpiece of our season. Jay Booksbaum on a recent edition of JM and the AM. Here he is on JM Rewind on the Nahum Siegel Network. From the grapevine on this first day of Hanukkah, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. He's the one, the only, Jay... Book spam. Pregnant pause there. So I was told that um, <laughs> I was told if we were playing the Nahum Single Network classic game, where in the world is Jay Booksbaum? I was told I was given advanced warning that today would be a stellar performance on the part of Mr. Booksbaum. So Jay, that would lead me to believe that you're in some obscure location 
and spending the first day of Hanukkah uh, truly on the road, nowhere near your home base in New Jersey. Jay, am I, am I right so far? Ben. Say it again? It would have been. COVID things changed things at you're, the last minute. You're telling me that last week we were informed that you're going to be, and we weren't told where, we were informed that you're going to be in some you know, obscure, exotic, use whatever word you want to describe it, place, and that you literally had to cancel the trip because of this new variant? Well, not the new variant, but other lockdown issues and delayed wow. issues because of COVID, yeah. Wow. But I can tell you where it was going to be. Where was it going to be? Panama. You are going to be back in Panama. Right. I've been told, by the way, that in Panama, and it's funny you mention it because um, I've been doing, I I just have been getting involved in so many discussions about the Jewish community in Panama recently. It seems like they're like a pendulum in terms of lockdown to freedom and lockdown to freedom. Like it's been crazy over the, I mean, I know it's been crazy everywhere, but especially there, they've, they've just been scrambling, uh, it it seems every few weeks with new rules. Is that, is that the right description? That that's the right description. Wow. Plus, plus, and and this is one of the big reasons why, and I'm glad to talk about it because they're such good friends of mine. There's a brand new supermarket opening up in Panama. Yeah. Op- opening by the previous supermarket owners of the largest supermarket there, arguably the largest supermarket there, called Zakai's. Uh, um, and and the Zakai family was set to open it. I was going to be there for the grand opening. And then because of COVID, all the food was delayed. Oh, gosh. So, so they couldn't, they literally couldn't open. They didn't have what to put on the shelves. So they had to wait another week and another week and another week. And then so we found out only the last minute that, uh, Jay, change your flight. So I changed my flight. I need your perspective on this. To Give me your perspective on the whole supply chain situation. What does Jay Booksbound think? It's It's a mess. It's a real mess. Um, you know, we, we had this, it doesn't matter what the product was exactly, but we had this one liqueur product that they wanted to bring in. And everything was fine, except they were missing caps. Oh, my God. So, you know, they had the product, they had the bottles, they had the labels, they had the machinery ready to bottle it and label it and everything. But because the caps couldn't come in from China... You know, it's it's amazing. Imagine if it was just the glue, yeah. or you know. So this disruption, you know, you, you you think of it as oh, the refrigerators didn't get in, but no, it it could be like one little screw from the refrigerator or something. Yeah, you know, somebody hold up. Somebody told me. Somebody told me about, told me about a, sto- a story about a paint uh, company uh, that in order to make the paint that they make, they need fourteen ingredients, and one of them was not available. And of course, it holds up the entire operation. Is this? I mean, not that your company should be any different, but I'm assuming Kedem Royal Wine. I mean, you, you got to be facing this situation on a daily basis, where where one little thing or even bigger thing is either missing or or part of the whole process that you just can't get a hold of. I mean, I would assume you, like every other business, is going through the whole thing like this. We are, we are, and and on top of that, you know, the cost of shipping has gone through the roof. Right. I mean, in some cases, well, everybody talks about China being like four times what it used to be, but even from Israel, it's three or four times what it used to be. So when you when you're bringing in, you know, entry level wine, it makes a real difference at the retail for the consumer on what that adds to the retail price. Yeah. It really is. So if there is a $12 bottle of wine from two years ago, is it now reflected at a higher price point? Or you're the, the company- no, I, I, will tell you, I will tell you the Herzog's 
have been really good about it, even though their prices, and, and I'm not kidding, even though their costs have gone up, they're keeping the prices until the first of the year at least. Wow. And then you're going to be seeing some price increases. Oh, so right boy. now, Hanukkah, you can still get it at the, hopefully, at the same, you know, reasonable price. Right, assuming, used to be. Assuming, the re, yeah. assuming the retailer is able to keep it at that level. Uh, Jay Booksbaum, the number one kosher wine sommelier, is with us live via telephone. You know the purpose of this conversation, everybody. It's to update our, uh, let's update our audience um, regarding what uh, Kedem Royal Wine and all its affiliated companies have uh, available this Hanukkah. Obviously, Jay, there are too many products to go through everything that you guys sell. But when we think of latkes and we think of sweets of Ganiot, uh, we always ask for your suggestions about what people should look at during Hanukkah 5782 wine-wise. Are there a couple of bottles that you could bring to our attention that would fit in perfectly for the Hanukkah celebrations that are going on this week? Yes, but you know me, as always, I want everybody to be cautious. So we're going to have lots of people with lots of children, hopefully, and some, you know, at the proper age, some not. And so just remember that we still have that wonderful sparkling grape juice that you can share with everybody, even if you're not having the wine. That's right. And, you know, so don't forget that. And that's (laughs) non-alcoholic. And everybody can still, you know, feel like they're part of the fun party, even without the alcohol. But in terms of the alcohol, oh, my gosh. You know, I do this thing on um, Mutsu's shop. It's called The Big Reveal. And one of the things I thought about was, um, you know, this this holiday is a holiday of, of course, the triumph of Jews over tyranny and the triumph of freedom, uh, freedom to practice your religion over, you know, suppression. And one of the one of the most interesting and also a perfect perfect Sufganio wine comes from Spain, and it comes from a family that has returned to Spain after six hundred years, six hundred years, five to six hundred years since the you know since the um, since Jews were expelled, and they returned to Spain from Morocco to make wine again. It's a Jewish family, uh, you know, and they're making wine again. It's called Elvi. And they had, they're making a wine, a sangria called Santanori, and this sangria is perfect, just perfect for, uh, for Sufganiot because it's sweet, and it's fresh, and it's lively, and it's inexpensive. Uh, I do want to caution everybody, though, that it is not, I repeat, it is not kosher for Pesach. So Ooh. if you're going to buy some now, Interesting you know, you've got to drink it up. Interesting twist. Most of your products, of course, are kosher lapesa. Right, and and they're working on it. There's just some ingredient there that wow. you know, although although you know, ostensibly could not could be kosher lapesa, is not made in the right, right plant or whatever. You know, so they're being very careful not to put a kosher pesach certification on it, and it is not kosher lapesa. Let me make that clear. So, but it is um, LV Centenori. Um, uh, um, sangria, just delicious, red and white, delicious, delicious. Uh, and your local retailer will have it. And then, you want to know more? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, and then Herzog's got a brand new Methuchamp N1. Now, this is not an inexpensive bottle of wine. It comes in a beautiful um, uh, presentation um, gift gift can, so to speak. Not so to speak, gift can. And um, it's made in the same exact method as real champagnes are made, and it's got a really nice mousse, which is wine speak for bubbles. It's got really tiny little bubbles, uh, and it's kind of really dry, and so it'll really cut through 
that oil and that um, sour cream, and even the it'll, it'll really even go great with the uh, applesauce with your latkes. So uh, it's the Herzog Method Champenois um, wine. It's mm-hmm. really quite. It's made from 100% Chardonnay. And it's also a great gift if you're going to somebody for a Hanukkah party and you know they're really fine wine schmeckers, you know, they really love their wine, bring them this. They'll really be impressed. What people call a wine snob, Jay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like you. Yeah, right. That's me, exactly. (laughs) Jay Bookspam with us going through some of the wines that you might be uh, inclined to enjoy this Hanukkah 5782. What else is on the list, Jay? What else do you want to bring uh, to the attention of the public regarding kosher wines this time of year? One of my favorites that always gets a bump this time of year, uh, and, you know, you know, also 100% kosher for Pesach, as is all the wines except for that one from LV, the Centenori, uh, um, um, what do you call it, Sangria, is a wine that gets a bump every every time this time of year comes around, and that is the Baron Herzog Chenin Blanc. And the reason for that is is that it's, Kind of off dry. It's got a lemony sweetness to it. It's got it's real floral, and it's really inexpensive. It's under ten bucks. Uh, it's it's perfect for sufganiyot. Also great for latkes with sour cream and especially applesauce because it's even got some of that apple kind of fresh apple flavor to it too. Ooh. Even though there's no apple in it, you know. I mean, you know, just the kind of idea of it comes through. Uh, so Baron Herzog Chenin Blanc is another one that, you know, if you, if you can have a bunch of people and you want to have a real crowd pleaser, that's a great bottle of wine to have. And then there are the basic staples when you're serving sweet food, especially those incredible Hanukkah desserts, the dreidel cookies, the sufganiyot, the delicious jelly donuts. And there are some basic staples that people have gotten used to over the years, whether it be the uh, Bartonura Blue or the Pinot Grigio, um, and many others, of course. Uh, that are perfect, a perfect pair for those sweet desserts, Jay. That's right. And and this year, uh, we had it last year, but it was just getting going. And this year, you got a bunch of cans that right. individual, you know, six ounce or whatever, yeah. 250 mLs cans that are perfect because there's still some people, you know, that would prefer, you know, either to pour it themselves or hold a cup themselves. This is kind of stuff. You can spread around the room and spread around the table, and people can pop their own individual, um, you know, their own individual drinks. So those are those are really great. They come both in the Moscato, the Bartonura comes both in a rosé and in the original in a can. And there are other cans as well, by the way. I don't remember the name, frankly. I'm sure you would, but there are other cans as well of different products in the kosher wine industry that you guys are responsible for at this point. Um, yeah, maybe it was Jay more of Folk has got, right. Jay Folk did a bunch of cocktails, right? Um, different flavors, different varieties, and, and gin and tonic, and right. you know, none of which are extremely dry. Actually, you know, nice and fruity and fresh. Yeah, and then there's this, this fun can called Can Pain. Can Pain. <laughs> and what <laughs> what is that? What is what does that one taste like? It's a rosé. It's it's you know semi sweet. It looks like a soda can, so be careful that you don't have, you know, young people imbibing. Uh, but it's full alcohol, and it's it's delicious and quite good with especially jelly donuts, I would guess. And I don't know how many people are still doing this because it seems in our community um, uh, this practice has already gone out of practice. But if you are serving a kiddish, an individual 
uh, servings are important to you, um, meaning, of course, I'm saying this from a COVID standpoint, individual right. servings are important to you, the cans come in very handy. I mean, you're talking about perfect timing in terms of when these cans were created and then released to the public, and then, of course, unfortunately, the pandemic began. So they're very, very handy for uh, your kiddish if you want to make sure that a separate serving is being given to each person. Yep. I have to tell you, we have a, like a young people's minion here in Elizabeth, yeah. which is like exploding, this young people's minion, as well as uh, housing, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, you know, I gave them some cans as well as other wines to go with a kiddish some weeks ago. Right. The first thing that went was that big bowl of cans. Yeah. Everything went boom, gone. Yeah, that's it. You know, people just reached in into the ice with the water, right. grabbed their can, and then took their plate in their other hand with their cholent and kugel and herring or whatever. And um, and you know, it's just been a, it's just the cans, and they weren't planned for the COVID thing, obviously. Right, of know. course, of course. But you it, may still have changed. You may still have changed kiddish habits forever, even if it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> it must. It's unbelievable. It is yep. unbelievable, and the world is so different. The fact that you're here and not Panama tells us just how different the world is right now. The fact that we don't know if our trip to Israel is happening next week or not tells us how different this world is right now. Well, just One second. Aren't, didn't they just close the borders? They closed the border, uh, but if, um, I mean, we had Rabbi Lippmann on earlier this morning, and it's such a fluid situation that in the next 24 to 48 hours, we might hear of some exceptions that are being made or possibly even the easing of restrictions because as they continue to analyze this new variant, supposedly it's not as frightening as they originally thought it is. So you just don't know. You just have no idea what the story is. Unbelievable. And and it might be worthwhile to postpone a trip just for a week because that week might make a big difference. But Jay, nobody knows. And you've been going, you know, you're what we we always stressed. And this is one of the things we always had fun with, with you. And we continue to have fun with is we've always stressed what type of traveler you are and you're always on the go. And, and I, right. I, I would imagine, I, I don't know how your body has gotten used to the last 18 months. How have you gotten used to, you know, being being stationary more than being on the road when your life was always being on the road more than being stationary? Let me tell you, we've, we've learned that, uh, you know, not every single meeting required that you thought required a face-to-face does, even though there is really nothing that compares to a face-to-face. Yeah, yeah, and you're, you've been Mr. Face-to-Face. You've always insisted on that and, and, and on the importance of getting together when you want to make a sale. Yeah, because, you know, for me, it's not for everybody this way, but and it's not for every business this way, and it's not for every businessman this way, but for me, it really is all about the personal relationship yeah. that you have with someone. So I, I totally get that. It, it's just a completely... So we're, getting, so we're getting used to it, but it's it's still, we can't wait until things you know, things really get back to normal. Everything Jay mentioned in this conversation is available at your kosher wine retailers, no matter where you're listening to this show. Right, Jay? That's a safe uh, assumption to make, correct? Pretty safe, yep. And yep. Uh, go and enjoy the sweet wines, the the uh, the dry wines. Enjoy all the wines this Hanukkah, but especially the ones that pair well with your latkes, with your game of dreidel, with your with your sufganiot, uh, your delicious jelly donuts. I mean, if you gra- even if you grab a game of backgammon, as Jay is uh, inclined to do, uh, make sure you have right. a, make sure you have a delicious uh, cup of wine with you to enjoy it during the holiday of Hanukkah. Has has the backgammon been uh, uh, been uh, featured recently, or you've been that, that that's on the back burner at this point? It's it's been curtailed. No, we, I'm still playing it, but it's been curtailed. Been curtailed. Oh, you know, for, the first, for the first few months uh, during the pandemic. 
until everybody got their shot, at least my, my buddies that I played back at me with got their shots. Right. And even after that, we would play outside. Oh, gosh. Today's not the day Some for reason. that, huh? <laughs> no, no more. Not, not these days. No. Even if you have a good glass of wine. Uh, from the Grapevine, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. He's the one, the only, Jay. Bookstam. Happy Hanukkah to everybody. Happy Hanukkah, Jay, to you and everybody at Kedem, to the Herzog family and everyone at Royal Wine Kedem. Happy Hanukkah. Chagurim Sameach. Afrelech and Hanukkah. And from all of us, of course, here at JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Jay Bookspam. Thanks so much for tuning in. More coming up if you keep it here on NSN, the Nahum Segal Network.